Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. What's up, guys? Well, welcome to our semester kickoff. I, I hope you had a great Christmas break. Um, I, I enjoyed some some time uh, relaxing with my family and whatnot. I just want you all to know I got AirPods for Christmas, and my life has not been the same since, all right? So I used to, hey, give, you can give it up for that. I got AirPods from me. I'm a little late to the game. Uh, but see, this is what I do. I knock on things, and then I have it, and I'm like, I'm the biggest connoisseur of AirPods now. So uh, shout out to everybody. Uh, man, we're, we're excited for this semester, and uh, we're, we're kind of got this semester theme going. We've been talking to our team about it, and we keep asking this question of, what do you want your life to look like in 10 years? All right, it's New Year's, uh, and uh, people, you know, we, we think about, what do we want this year to look like? Some of y'all might have a word to define your year. Some of y'all have goals and things, but let's, let's take that further. What do you want your life to look like a decade from now? Can I tell you that the decisions you are making in the next few months will impact you for the next 10 years? The decisions you make for the next year will impact you for the next 10 years. And so it's really important, like, okay, how do we make, like, I I think everyone out there would say, you know what, I would love to have more love in my heart. I would love to have peace and joy and gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Those are things that we would say, I'll I'll take it. You know what I mean? I I would have some of that. What about the decisions you're making in your life? Would you want to make better decisions? When things are happening around you, would you want to be able to respond more appropriately? Would you want to respond in a way that honors God? And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is this idea that we should not react, but we should respond to what's going on around us that we should react and that we shouldn't just respond. And I want to tell you all a story. Uh, My dad was a police officer growing up, and my mom worked for the Drug Enforcement Administration. So basically you could do nothing in my house. Understand that. So my my dad's a police officer. He obviously is going to go through some training, and uh, I would say that some good training in that situation would set you up to where you can react appropriately in situations. And so my dad uh, was a police officer. And I remember a day when I was 9 or 10 years old. Actually, funny story. One time my dad threatened uh, my I have a twin brother and he put them you all know what micro machines are the little little cars he put one in our pellet stove at our house and uh, my dad was like why is this broken and so my dad threatened to take us and uh, make us do a polygraph test so that's kind of the the thing that I was growing up in my brother confessed to it because he didn't want to spend a night in the drunk tank so uh, I was off the hook for that I didn't do it but that's kind of like my family background and so one day I decided I was like nine years old ten years old I'm gonna scare my dad okay it's funny to scare people. I, I, I like when I see like Instagram stories of people scaring their roommates and stuff. It's funny. Uh, and so I decided I was going to scare my dad. And uh, I hid in their bedroom, and he was going to be coming out the bathroom. And I hid like in between the wall and their dresser so he couldn't see me. And so I'm hiding, and uh, my dad comes out, and I jump out to scare him, and he punches me in the chest. My dad at nine years old, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm just scaring him, and I'm like, you can't hit me. I'm a kid. My dad's reaction was that he punched me in the chest. Okay. We didn't call DFS and nothing happened there, but uh, my dad punched me. And I'm like, that's the first time I realized this thing of like fight or flight. And I, uh, I, I, I haven't forgiven him yet, but you know, um, and, and it's just crazy because reactions sometimes can be dangerous. Reactions sometimes can be dangerous. And so we have to be able to, if we're to like 
respond instead of react. We have to be able to define what is the difference between a reaction and between a response. And so a reaction is this. A reaction is something that is done without processing. There's no thought process going in, uh, into a reaction. There's no wisdom being used to think through the situation of what's going on. And usually a reaction is based on emotion and feeling. But what's a response? A response is the opposite of that. A response is something that allows time for processing. If you're going to respond, you have time to process with wisdom. You have time to uh, remove emotion from the equation. And you're not just basing what's going on on your own feelings, but you're basing what's going on on truth. Not just on feeling, not just on motion. And, and here's the deal. Like emotions are good. Did you know it's good that you're emotional? I'm an emotional person. You can cry sometimes. It's okay. Uh, it, it's, it's good to be emotional. We have emotions given to us from God for a reason. But emotions are all along for the ride. They should not drive the car. In your life, emotions are all along for the ride, but they should not be driving the car. You need to base what you're going on, what's going on in your life around truth. And here's the deal. So this isn't self-help because this is what self-help is. Anybody know what Daniel Tiger is? If you know what Daniel Tiger is, you probably have a child. So Daniel Tiger is this TV show that my, uh, my daughter watches. And let me tell you, like for a little baby tiger, Daniel Tiger's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. And so the show is like teaching kids how to deal with emotion. It's a good show, all right? It's not bad. But Daniel's got a lot going on. And when he gets mad, his mom, he'll like go to his mom all sad. And, and he has to go count to 10 and, and uh, make a change in his attitude. I'm not saying that's a bad practice. Like, you should watch Daniel Tiger and respond to your emotional needs as he does. But at surface level, that, that like if, if it's just on up to us to respond well, like it's just surface level changes. Because you can respond and change your, the way you think and your behavior, but you need to change your heart, right? You need something that can change your heart. And I'm here to tell you that you can't do that on your own. And so practically speaking, how in the world is this going to help you over the next 10 years of your life? How's it going to help you? I want you to think about this. What's going on for you this semester? What's going on for you at work? Did you just start a new job? I can tell you this, like the, the, the cycle of life in, in, in the working world is like when the new year starts, I know we got some teachers in the room and it kicks off like a new semester. It's busy. If you're in the church world, it's busy at the new year. If you're in any kind of job, things seem to get busy and ramp up. Everyone's starting to go. It can be stressful. Are you overwhelmed? Maybe you're taking more credit hours than you've ever taken before. You're in that hard physiology or anatomy class, and you're already dreading it, thinking, how on earth am I going to make it through this? Your reaction is that I'm stressed and I'm overwhelmed. Maybe it makes you shut down. Maybe you don't really know. Uh, you know, you just become over, you're overwhelmed with anxiety. How, how are you reacting to that situation that's going on? I don't know about you, but this is a tough message for me to speak because what happens for me is I don't like it when things are out of my control. I don't like it when things don't go the way that I have planned. And so for me, especially whenever I was college days, I really struggled with this. And in my first couple years of marriage, this was just unearthed in me at how bad I was at this. When something wouldn't go my way or a situation wasn't going well, my reaction was anger, was to lose it, was to fly off the handle because I'm mad that I'm not controlling every portion of this and someone didn't react the way that I thought they should to what was going on or they didn't make a choice that I thought they should make. And my reaction was anger. And I always say this is, who are you when you're pressed and when you're stressed? If you're just reacting when you're pressed and stressed, it's not going to be good. 
We've got to be able to respond. What about this? Maybe you're feeling a lack of self-worth. You've been there? Did you know, like, you know why pornography use is so rampant in our culture? It's because we use it to numb things. I can guarantee you, if you're a guy in here, a girl in here, and you're struggling with pornography, maybe the root cause of that is that you feel a lack of self-worth. Maybe you feel rejected, and you're using that to numb the pain in your life. That's a reaction. It's a reaction to what's going on. And, uh, you know, maybe you're around somebody, and people have hurt you. Someone hurts you. You know you're going to get hurt in life. For the next, over the next decade, someone will disappoint you. Someone you love will disappoint you. Someone you love and care about will hurt you. A stranger you don't even really know that much can hurt you. Words hurt you. Actions hurt you. How do you react when that happens? And because a lot of times we might think of, hey, well, a reaction, a reaction is external. I'm a very external person. There's no question as to how I'm feeling or to what my emotion is. But some of you might be a little more introverted. And your reaction doesn't have to be just external. Maybe you just, something like that happens and it just stews inside of you. And you begin to look inward and you kind of withdraw from people and you're not gonna be around people anymore. Your reaction doesn't always have to be outward. Sometimes a wrong reaction is inward and just bottling something up. That's a problem. And here's the deal. With reactions also, not only can they be both internal and external, reactions can also be immediate and delayed. So you might think like, okay, I, I reacted. I didn't even really react to that situation. But six months down the road, how are you, like, you reacting when it comes back into your mind? What's going on? And wouldn't you rather, instead of reacting to it, Instead of just leaving it up to yourself, wouldn't you want to know if there was a better way you could respond to the situations around you so that over the next 10 years that you learn to respond appropriately and make better decisions? I think we would all want that. But here's the problem. We can't do it on our own. In the book of Romans, it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did you know that you're a sinner? I'm a sinner. You make mistakes, I make mistakes, that our heart is deceitful. We can't rely on our own self in order to be able to respond appropriately. Otherwise, the church wouldn't be about God. It would just be a place where you can go to get self-help. This isn't the self-help uh, section of Barnes & Noble. We're looking at like, okay, if, my, if God says my heart is deceitful, if God says that I'm a sinful person, how can I expect to respond appropriately without some help? But God is good. He didn't just leave us there. He wants us to be able to respond appropriately. And the, step, the first step in responding instead of reacting to what's going on in your life is to respond to Jesus. That's where it starts. You have to respond to Jesus. Because here's the deal. Like, we're, we're over here, right? And we're a sinful person. And God is over here and he's holy. He's perfect. He, he can't even know our sin. Like, he's holy. And so there's a gap there. We can't, like, how do we get connected back with God? God doesn't want that for us. He provided a way, like, he created us. He does want a relationship with you. Maybe you went your whole life, and you're like, does God really, does he like me? Does he want a relationship with me? He does want a relationship with you. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and my sins, to pay the debt that we earned. He gave us the gift of salvation. And that when we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. When we call on the name of Jesus, we'll be saved. When we admit our sin and we confess him as the Lord of our life, we will be saved. That is the first response that you have to make. If you've never made that response, that is where it all starts right there. If you're gonna be able to respond to decisions in your life or circumstances in your life, that is where the beginning point is, is have you responded to Jesus? 
You might be thinking, why does that matter? I want to read you something, uh, three verses here that are going to really highlight why it matters that you respond to Jesus because he's got something for us. He's got a gift for us. And Acts 2.38 says this. It says, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is Peter talking uh, to the early church, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, y'all, let me tell you, we're going through a a series on the Holy Spirit right now on Sunday mornings, and I can't wait to continue to journey through that. If you missed Pastor Eddie's message from last week, you got to go back, go on YouTube, go on our podcast, High Street Church, and listen to that. Because we, like, this series is going to impact you for the next decade. I really, truly believe that. And what we're talking about tonight is that we need to respond to Jesus so that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can better respond in every area of our lives. In John 16, 7, it says this. This is Jesus talking. And he says, nevertheless, he's talking to his disciples, those guys who are, who are following him, walking close with him. And he says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, hey, like, could you imagine walking with Jesus for these years? And you're like, no, no, Jesus, you're, Peter was the guy, right? He's trying to get Jesus to say, like, no, I'm going to fight for you. I'm not going to abandon you. Like, you got to stay, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to go. It's actually going to be better for you. That promise still rings true for us today, that Jesus has, sent, Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives. A little bit more about what he does in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. That the Holy Spirit is a helper that the Holy Spirit is a teacher, that the Holy Spirit is a guide. And remember, we talked about not just making a change in our head and reacting differently or responding differently, like, yeah, I did it on my own. You, You need help in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you in your heart, in your struggles, to guide you and to help you respond appropriately to the situations that are around you. So first you have to respond to Jesus so that you can have the Holy Spirit. But then once you have it, right, once you've started a relationship with Jesus, you've got to walk in the Spirit. At the beginning I said, uh, you know, wouldn't you want more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? I want more of that. I want more of that as a dad. I want more of that uh, as, as a husband, as a friend, as a pastor, as a leader. I want more of the fruits of the Spirit. That's what those are. That when we walk in the Spirit and we obey God's Word, that those are the things that are going to be cultivated in our heart. Not through our own effort, but through God. You know what a spiritual discipline is? A spiritual discipline, reading your Bible, uh, memorizing Scripture, praying, fasting. These things, these are things that you do that are under your control that will help you to do something that you're not able to do on your own. So a a, a spiritual discipline is something that is under your control that will help you do something you're not able to do on your own. Do you know how important it is that we read God's word? Not just that you would come and listen at a church like this and you listen to someone like me, that you personally would read God's word. That is the truth which we base our worldview around. You know that there's been bad things done in the name of Jesus evil things, things that don't make any sense, that are contradictory to God's word. 
But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to do something that is contradictory to Scripture. The Holy Spirit is never going to get you to, is never going to lead you to do something that is contradictory to God's word. God's word is the truth. So therefore, we can respond to the situations around us, not based on our own feelings and emotions, which have the ability to lie to us, but we can respond by knowing the truth and speaking it over our lives. We need to memorize scripture so that in those situations when we're tempted or facing trials or something's going on in our life, there's a situation that we need to respond to. We can recite God's word to ourselves and we can preach to ourselves. Preach to yourself. That's why memorizing scripture matters so much so that you understand what is truth and that you can respond in truth and not just simply react off of emotion and off of feeling. We talked about it. Maybe you're super busy, right? Super busy semester, super busy work schedule. You're overwhelmed. What does God's word say? That he delights in every detail of your life. He delights in every detail for your life. That he has a plan and a purpose for you. That we can set our mind on things of heaven and not on things just of earth. Do you know what a difference that would make in the next six months if you could do that? But I've got to be able to respond to it when I'm stressed and when I'm pressed and when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm feeling worthless, when I'm feeling like I don't measure up. My reaction is not just to go to numb the pain. My, react, my, my response is to know God's word and understand that I'm created in the image of God. He created you. I'm created in the image of God. So I don't have to worry, like, it doesn't matter my feeling of lack of self-worth. The truth is God created me and he loves me. How about this? Uh, Things don't go the way I want them to, like we talked about. But instead of reacting in anger, I remember that a fool, a fool gives full vent to his rage. A fool gives full vent to his anger. And I don't want to be a fool, so God, right now, I, I would pray that you would help me not to respond foolishly. You know how many times I have to think about that? It's so easy to get angry. It's so easy. Jared and I were talking about this this, morning, uh, this afternoon. It's easy to get a victim mentality. If you're just reacting to everything, it's a victim mentality. Everybody else is out to get me. Everybody else is out to hurt me. I can't do anything because people are attacking me or the situations in my life just aren't going right. Things are hard. It's difficult. I'm going to give up on God. A victim mentality. But a response mentality is remembering the truth of God's word. When somebody hurts you because people will hurt you, it's being able to overlook minor offenses. It's being able to go to somebody in humility and say, hey, man, that that really hurt me. But I'm going to step out in courage and faith and have a conversation with you. If someone hurts you, you don't, you know, maybe you're in a situation where like someone hurt me so bad I can never be around that person again. And you don't need to be. It would be unwise for you to be around that person anymore. But what you can't do is you can't keep holding on to that anger and reacting in anger or reacting in shame because of something that was done to you. You have to be able to respond to that. And you have to show yourself grace, the same grace that Jesus shows you for your sins. That response is, this is why spiritual disciplines matter so much. There's a reason why why we, we want people to have a quiet time. And that's just a fancy way of saying, we want you to spend time with God without a lot of distractions. Because the Holy Spirit is going to speak the loudest when you're the quietest. Look through the Gospels. What was the habit of Jesus to withdraw, to go away, to spend time alone in prayer? Why? 
So that, uh, think about how busy your lives are. Think about all the distractions that you have. Think about all the ways you can stimulate your mind with your phone and everything else. Sometimes you've got to get away and get somewhere where it's quiet. Kind of as we close and as the band comes up, I want to go um, to Acts chapter 7. And we're going to be in verses uh, 54 through 60. And we're talking here about one of uh, Jesus' followers in the early church. And it's a guy named Stephen. Okay? And uh, Stephen here, he, he is a pretty special guy. If you read in the chapters leading up to chapter 7 in the book of Acts, we see Stephen is described as full of grace and full of power. It's like, that's pretty cool. And it wasn't because of his own accord. It was because he was walking in the Spirit. And so what was going on at this time is there was a lot of tension. As Christ followers were, as the message of Jesus was spreading, there were people who did not want that to happen. There were other religious leaders who did not want that to happen. They wanted to stifle the message of Jesus. But Stephen, in the face of persecution, in the face of opposition, he kept preaching the gospel message of Jesus. And so people began to oppose him. People began to make up lies about Stephen. They made up lies about him and said that he was a blasphemer, which wasn't true. Here's a guy appointed by God, walking in the spirit, and he's under some persecution. And what eventually happens to Stephen, I want to read this to you, is uh, he appears before the, the council. And he had just previously to this given, he appears before this council of religious leaders. And he gives the longest speech in the book of Acts. He gives this long speech in the book, of, the longest speech in the book of Acts. And he's telling these religious leaders like, hey, you need to repent and you need to turn. And he's giving them a little bit of a history lesson about the Jewish people. And he's saying, you need to turn to Jesus. Stop being lukewarm. You need to turn to Jesus. And, it, and what does it do? It, it drives them to anger. And here's what happens in Acts 54. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. I don't know what that looks like, but sounds bad. But he, but he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What was the last response of Stephen's life? Full of the Spirit. Do you realize it is like Christians? How much grace we have to show people? Because God lavish that grace out on us. Could you imagine? Stephen's being chased out of the city, likely thrown into a pit more than 12 feet deep, and he's having stones hurled on top of him. And his last response in his life was, "Don't, God, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And there's some important things happening in this passage. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, and if you don't know, the book of Acts is really just like early church history. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, before he has ascended into heaven, he tells his disciples, hey, listen, you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, right here, when this is happening, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, had only been in Jerusalem 
But God, what did Jesus tell him? Hey, you're gonna go to Judea and Samaria. The gospel is gonna spread. Because Stephen, in the midst of persecution, responded with standing firm in preaching the gospel of Jesus, he was martyred for it. The first Christian to die in the name of Jesus was Stephen. And because of his response, because he stood firm, after this, the Christians scattered. And probably the reason you and I are able to hear the message of Jesus today is because Stephen responded. You might have one of the most important responses ever in the next six months, in the next 10 years. You could impact generations and generations and generations and generations of people. You could impact families for generations because of the responses that you make. Your family might be different forever because of the response you make. And if you notice in this passage, Jesus at the right hand of God, what does he do? Is he stands as Stephen's being persecuted. Now elsewhere in scripture, there's about 10 other references to Jesus seated at the right hand of God. Seated at the right hand of God. But what's he doing here? He's standing and welcoming Stephen into the heavenly thrones. He's standing at his response. And so that challenges me to think about like, man, in my life and the way that I'm responding, I'm not saying Jesus is gonna stand up off of his throne, but would he? If I'm reacting, it's not gonna happen. But if I'm responding, it will. The next 10 years of your life, that's an example straight from scripture of a response and not a reaction. I wanna finish by telling a story that's close to me and close to my heart. My, my wife, um, I never met her brother. He, he was killed a few miles down the road uh, on Highway 65 here. And I never met him. I did not know my wife's family at this time, but I get to live in hearing the stories about my brother-in-law, Josh. And, you know, could you, like, uh, when I first met my wife, I remember telling me the story of like what it's like to have the police officers come to your house and knock on the door and to find out that your brother has passed away. Like now being a father and thinking about that, that, that would be like something that could happen to my children would devastate me. It would break me, it would crush me. Could you receive any more devastating news as a family? What would my reaction be? I have no idea. It wouldn't be good. But I'd hope that I could respond like my father-in-law and my mother-in-law did. When this happened, one of the first things that my, my father-in-law Jeff said to their family was, we're not gonna let this tear us apart. That's not what God wants for us. We're not gonna let this tear our family apart because we've lost Josh. That doesn't make any sense. A reaction would be, man, I, I'm done. A reaction would be, I can't love my wife now. I can't look at her. But his response, the only reason that my father-in-law was able to respond that way is because he has a relationship with Jesus. My mother-in-law is probably one of the nicest people I have ever met in my entire life. There is no doubt in my mind that she is walking every day by the Spirit. She's an encourager. She's an uplifter. And I look at her, I'm like, how can you do that in the midst of such pain and tragedy? 
That hurts. It doesn't go away. It's a daily response to God saying, you're faithful, you're in control. There's a better home that awaits us, a future home, a future heaven. I'm gonna see my son again one day because he was a believer too. That's what a response looks like practically. I hope you never have to go through something like that. I don't wanna go through something like that. But that response has changed people's lives. You might have to respond to a situation in the next 10 years that will change forever for somebody else. And the little responses you make every day, saying no and rejecting sin every day, responding in the midst of temptation every day, those all add up. And you're walking in the spirit and you're becoming more full of the fruits of the spirit in your life. Man, don't you want that? Don't you wanna respond? In the busyness of our lives, we're gonna have a time of response right now. It's what we call this. We have these, there's nothing special about what we call the altar up here. What's special is the response that's going on in your heart. And if you've never responded to Jesus before, I'm gonna ask you to come forward. I'm gonna ask you to pray with one of our team that's up here and, and they will help guide you in what it looks like to accept Christ. There's no magic words, there's no magic prayer, but they wanna be a, a, an asset to you in this decision that you're making. I'm gonna ask you to mark the moment and to come forward. That's the response you need to make. As if you're a believer in here, is the Holy Spirit teaching you something right now? Are you feeling convicted of something right now? Do you need to come and confess some reactions that you're making right now and ask him to help you in your life? Maybe your response is simply this, is you need to respond in worship. And you need to respond. That's why we sing. We don't just do it because it, it sounds good. I mean, Jake's got a great voice, but I mean, we gotta respond to God. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us. And then I'm gonna ask you, in this time right now, let's respond. God, we're back, we're, we're here, we're on a Tuesday night and we're doing the same thing we've been doing for years now. We're talking about you because you're the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. You can teach us how to respond. You can teach us how to have victory over sin in our lives. You can help us, you can guide us. We love you, it's in your name we pray, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.